Hello, and we're live with Angular Air. My name is Kent C. Dodds, and I am your host. And I am joined by some awesome people that I'm super excited to chat with about accessibility with Angular. So um, first, I'll just go through and introduce everybody and go ahead and wave and say hi when uh, your name is read so that people know who's who. So uh, we are joined by guest star Marcy Sutton. Hello. <laughs> and Marcy is uh, an Angular accessibility or accessibility in general expert. And so we're excited to chat with her um, and get to know her a little bit. And then we have our panelists, Amy Knight. Hello. And Jeff Welpley. How's it going? And Scott Moss. Yo, what up? And um, again, I'm Kenzie Dodds. I'm your host. And uh, I should just take that. I'm going to take the host piece off because I'm always introducing myself twice in every single show. <laughs> so um, I just have a couple of announcements before we get started. Uh, so next week's show is uh, July 7th, same time, same place, um, here on Hangouts with Jeff Cross and Alex Rickabaugh um, on Angular Data. And they gave an awesome talk at NG Vegas about data from the future um, that I recommend you go check out. But they're going to be on a, the show with us, um, and it's going to be awesome. Also, uh, we have stickers on Sticker Mule. So if you look at, um, if you're watching this, uh, I have my little Angular Air logo, and I'm actually wearing my Angular Air T-shirt. Um, you can get yourself some Angular Air stickers, um, and yeah, just go to Sticker Mule, and I'll, I'll add a link in the Hangout uh, comments so that you can get those. Um, and I will be doing another campaign for T-shirts um, eventually on Teespring, so keep a lookout for that. Um, follow us on Twitter and Google Plus to stay up to date with the latest and greatest um, at Angular Air. Um, and then finally, I always forget to announce this at the beginning of the show, but if you're watching live, you can open up, if you're in Hangouts watching in Hangouts, then you can open, open up the Q&A app and ask questions as we go through the show, and then at the end, we will answer um, those questions. So that is that. Um, let's go ahead and get started. Um, and I'd like to just get a quick introduction to Marcy. Um, so if you could introduce yourself, who you are, what you do, and um, that stuff, I think that'd be great. Sure. So I'm Marcy Sutton. I'm in Seattle, Washington. And right now, I'm actually in between jobs. I'm starting a new job at Adobe on this coming Monday. So I have my last week of summer freedom. <laughs> which is being spent uh, contributing to open source, going on hikes, playing with my dogs. Um, but for the past year, I've been working on the Angular core team as a contractor, working full-time on material design for Angular, doing a little bit of work on Protractor, uh, and some Angular core stuff that I'm sure we'll talk about with NG Aria. And I'm still contributing to those projects, just not full-time, so with a reduced presence. Um, but I'm still, you know, answering issues on GitHub and contributing code, just a lot less. Adobe does use Angular, so I'm sure it will still come up. Um, but yeah, that's what I've been doing for the past year. And you're not coming out here to the Utah office, are you? That would be awesome if you did. At Adobe, I'm sure I will at some point. Cool. We should hang out. That'd be yeah, fun. Totally. Seems inevitable. <laughs> cool. And uh, so how did you get involved with the Angular project? How did you start contributing? Um, actually, it started off, um, they invited me to speak at NG Europe in Paris last October, I think. And through that engagement, um, they saw an opportunity to make accessibility like more prominent in the Angular framework. You know, starting with docs and 
the NGRE module was community contributed, and so they needed somebody to sort of lead uh, reviews and con contributions to that. And so it really, it just kind of happened in the community, and uh, I, I saw an opportunity to improve accessibility in Angular, so it's been pretty awesome. That's pretty cool that they invited you to do that. Uh, do you know why, um, what motivated them to kind of t uh, jump at that? Uh, there was a certain website at the time that was very popular that I, <laughs> I've, uh, I've spoken about it quite a bit. Um, it's a, an airline website, if you've heard any of my talks. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to harp on them anymore because it's actually a problem that's not unique to them. Um, people make Angular apps. Um, they just sometimes don't remember accessibility. And so at the time, I was being pretty loud about what I considered failures in this very prominent you know, called Sexy Website. Um, it, it had some really cool things about it, um, but at the time, I just, I really got on the horn with, with Twitter, actually, and just said, you know, this could be so much better. And so they invited um, the creators of that website and me to both speak at NG Europe, and so it was kind of born out of this. It was almost a conflict that we, you know, we moved through together. Sadly, the website is has not improved for accessibility, at least the last time I checked, but... Um, I think overall the, the momentum with accessibility in Angular has gotten a lot better, and people are thinking about it more. So I've, uh, I've seen it get better. So how did you make the, the transition to actually working on, like, the Angular Material project with the Angular team? They basically just, they, they knew that they needed somebody to lead that. Um, there was an issue on GitHub at the time that said, we need to figure out accessibility, and so I think they... I happened to be the right person at the right time, and so they just invited me to contribute. So the way it worked was um, there are some third-party contributors that Google will pay to actually work on their open source projects. And so I got brought in um, working at Substantial, the company I was at, for the last almost two years. And so Substantial, uh, basically, they, they let me work on that project as a, you know, as a client project that I brought in and therefore I got to work on open source full time, which is awesome. Highly recommend doing that because you get to work on stuff that's pretty high profile and you get to really commit yourself for, it, the length of the engagement was probably 10 months. And so I really got to you know, make some recommendations and, and see things through in the framework. Um, it's, it's not quite to 1.0, so I'm still keeping my eye on it even though I'm not full time on it anymore. But yeah, it seemed like right person, right time. They they uh, they put me up for the the task. <laughs> That's very cool. Uh, um, I think it would be uh, wise for us to talk about um, Aria and what accessibility means for the web. Can can you just give like um, I let's say I don't know anything about accessibility or what what that word even means. Um, what's this A11Y? I think people keep tweeting. Uh, can you explain to me what uh, accessibility means and what ARIA has to do with that? Sure. So accessibility to me means that people with disabilities, uh, along with everyone else, can use the web. And so there's you know, technical approaches that I talk about a lot, like making things work from the keyboard, you know, not relying on a mouse or a trackpad, so that if you're using a keyboard, somebody with limited motor control or visual impairment can see where they are on the screen at any given time. And there's, you know, different groups in accessibility, different, different disabilities, including deafness and hard of hearing and color contrast um, issues and 
all kinds of things that we can get into more. Um, in, in Angular, we just want to make sure that those groups aren't being left out, which was pretty common. Like keyboard support is missing often or um, like all of these things that are pretty common to the rest of the web. Um, it's the same accessibility problems. There are a few that are unique to Angular or client rendered applications like focus management. Um, meaning that if everything is rendered on the client, you want to make sure you're not just dropping keyboard focus. You want to guide the user through the experience. Uh, you mentioned A11Y, which is a numeronym. So it's the word accessibility. You chop off all the letters in the middle, and you have the A and the Y, and there's 11 letters in between. So A11Y is much shorter to tweet. Um, it's kind of a, a memorable way to describe accessibility. So uh, to answer that question, um, but accessibility really, over the years, as I've gotten more and more into it as a developer, it became something I really cared about because I met people with disabilities. Do, I started off at an agency doing client work for Target. And everything that you build for Target in the, the US retailer, um, because of their legal situation, you have to make everything accessible. Um, that was my introduction to accessibility. But through that, I met people who worked on Target's accessibility team and they've since moved on, but we've stayed friends. And so really for me, what it comes down to every day is that I want the things that I make or that I have my hand in to work for my friends. And so I never really forget that. It's like always there. It's always this thing that, hey, I could make this work for more people. And I have the ability to, to you know, make change. So I never really let it go. It's always there. <laughs> What is that legal situation? I feel like I, I don't know, a long time ago read some sort of article um, about like some companies getting lawsuits against them for not being accessible, but still there's like so many applications that, uh, you know, it's just not a priority. So yeah, wh where is that line? Is it actually a thing or is that only for certain companies? It is a thing. I think it depends on the company and the size. Um, I think you know a big company like Target has a lot of legal risk. And it often comes down to if there's a problem with your app and you're willing to fix it when someone tells you about it, that's really what people want. Like, if, we, if I get up on the stage at a conference and you know, harp on an app, it's because I want it to be better. And getting no action or resistance to action just because people think that it's not, they're not legally obligated or it's not their audience or whatever, um, that's where the legal stuff starts to happen because sadly in, our, in this country to make change in accessibility, either physical spaces or online spaces, it's often um, triggered by a lawsuit. Yeah, I think that's the argument I heard is that uh, for a lot of companies it's just not their target audience. So. Yeah, but I often can poke holes in that. So <laughs> Go for it. Someone <laughs> thinks that, that it's not their audience. You know, oh, I'm making a fitness app. You know, why would a blind person want to use a fitness app? Well, why wouldn't they? You know, it's like I can pretty much always find an example of why someone would want to use it. Um, but it, it, for a lot of companies, it does come down to legal risk. Um, I tend to focus. I focus more on like the creative and you know the cool part of it, which is that if you if you work accessibility in earlier, it's a lot more fun. It's not, you're not reacting to a lawsuit. Well, and the other thing is, like, making your stuff accessible makes it better for everybody. Like, I like being able to navigate around with the keyboard, and um, I like it when I can click on something and it's not hidden behind some other thing, right? And so, yeah, that, I think 
people need to think more about accessibility, um, more than just like being for those who have disabilities and, and need help with um, accessing your website, but everybody. It, it helps everybody. Yeah. Well, so sometimes it's fun to put on that uh, the Mac screen reader just for fun and, and see uh, what it reads in certain sites. Like, uh, uh, if nothing else, just uh, see how bad it is sometimes, you know? Yeah, well, as it turns out, the, you know, every feature you add for accessibility will probably help somebody in another scenario that you weren't even considering, like captioning for um, conference talks or TV shows or anything like that. You know, those were created for people who can't hear, but, I mean, I turn my sound off quite often on a video, and then I can benefit from the, the text copy as well. So chances are you're helping more people than you think. So Marcy, can you talk about, you mentioned how um, it's common for Angular applications to not be accessible, um, and client-side applications in general. Um, can you talk about some of the technical or details of why it's difficult for a client-side application to be accessible? Sure. Well, I mean, the big elephant in the room with a lot of Angular stuff, like before we even get into that, is that everything is rendered on the client. And so if you don't have a modern computer or a modern browser or even a good web connection, um, the lack of progressive enhancement is, is an issue. Um, but, you know, I went and worked on the Angular core team, kind of ignoring that just because there were so many problems with Angular accessibility that I saw an opportunity. Um, but I'm always often coming back to this discussion of, well, what if you can't render everything on the client? And that's where things like server-side rendering and isomorphic JavaScript uh, which some people hate that, that, uh, that name, but that idea of first rendering on the server and then, you know, as the client comes on, uh, letting that kind of override and enhance the experience, that's something I'd like to see more of. Um, but ignoring that, the, um, some of the common traits in client-rendered applications that are often forgotten for accessibility, the biggest one, I think, is focus management which is imagine you're a keyboard user or a screen reader user, and you're tabbed all the way through an interface. You're on, let's say maybe you're on a, a form input. Your focus is there. So it's like you've actually manually tabbed all the, or navigated to this input. If I re-render the view that that input is in, my focus will be dropped, and I'll be kicked all the way back up to the top. And if I need to get back to where I was, I have to figure out where I was. <laughs> And so in client-rendered apps, we have to make sure that we're not dropping the focus. Or another example of that, which I've had to write code for, is if, say, you have a, a side nav with a list of links in it, and you click a link and it changes the view on the screen. You should really be sending the focus to the new content so that as the user is um, navigating with your app, they are guided through this experience. Um, so part of it's like you know dropping focus from uh, from client-side rendering, part of it is just knowing that the keyboard keyboard users are have specific needs, um, but it can get pretty complex, and so often this is just completely ignored. Um, so that's one thing. Another thing that comes to mind is just how easy it is to create your own HTML tags with web components and Angular directives. It's really easy to just create you know your own custom tag, and we do this a lot in Angular Material. Um, and then I have to go back in and add ARIA, which is probably a good segue to talk about ARIA. Um, because basically, if you create your own HTML tag, 
it's like a div with a fancy name. It has no semantics. It has no accessibility built in. Um, if you think about a form input, that comes with a lot of uh, accessibility. It will tell a screen reader whether it's checked or disabled. Um, for a custom input, we have to use this thing called ARIA to actually fill the gap where a custom element doesn't have all of that support. So ARIA is a standard. Um, it stands for Accessible Rich Internet Applications. It was actually made for multiple markup languages like XML. Uh, you could theoretically use ARIA. But it, it, it is a set of attributes that you can add in your HTML to these custom elements to basically tell a screen reader or other assistive technology, is this custom input disabled or is it checked? And you can use ARIA disabled or ARIA checked. And um, anytime I use these things, I go and refer to the spec just to make sure I'm getting it right. Um, but that's, uh, yeah, that's what ARIA is. Cool. So it's just basically the, the difficulty with uh, client-side render applications is um, that you're modifying the DOM, um, and you need to make sure that you keep, uh, you, you manage your focus, um, and yeah, because like removing a DOM node that's, that has focus, now suddenly focus goes to body, right? So you, you need to put focus somewhere else. And then, um, um, yeah, having these ARIA tags, that's, that's actually kind of interesting. So with, is there, well, yeah, I, I, yeah, no, my question's like floating away from me. Um, but cool, lots of really good, <laughs> good stuff in there, Marcy. Thank you. Um, so can you talk a little bit about ng-aria and what that um, module does for accessibility in uh, Angular applications? Sure, yeah. So ng-aria is a module. It's a thing that you would add on as a dependency, kind of like ng-messages, or I think there's you know a ton of, uh, of modules in Angular that are easy to isolate with test coverage. And um, the way that ng-aria came about was um, people in the community on GitHub were saying, we need more support for things like ng-disabled. ng-disabled will spit out the disabled attribute, but as we just heard, um, custom elements can't really make use of that attribute. You might be able to style them um, and use JavaScript, but a screen reader won't actually disable you know, some dash checkbox as a custom tag. If we use ng-disabled by itself, that will put the disabled attribute on it, um, that won't actually disable a custom element in a screen reader. So you have to use ARIA to, you know, tell the accessibility tree, which is what a screen reader uses, uh, to gain information about your, your DOM. Um, ng-aria will actually spit out the ARIA disabled. Uh, like, if you include the module, uh, when it picks up the ng-disabled directive, it will add ARIA disabled and then update it as that condition changes. So ng-aria is basically a helper module that will do some heavy lifting when it comes to adding that ARIA support. So what are some like high level do's and don'ts or just like things that we could do for quick wins if, um, you know, like we had said earlier, sometimes this just isn't a priority for a lot of people? Yeah, I think having, um, having some tools to help you identify issues is probably the easiest win. So, one of my favorites that I talk about a lot is the Chrome Accessibility Developer Tools. And that's a browser extension that you can get for free. And once you've installed it, um, in the Dev Tools, you can go under the Audits tab. And there's an accessibility audit that you can run. And that will catch some really kind of 
low-hanging fruit things like you spelled an attribute name wrong, or you forgot a form label, or your color contrast is terrible. It will give you kind of um, a rated series of warnings, either errors or warnings, um, and it can help you in your app, even you know, just running locally, it can point out some um, issues that are really easy to fix. So that's probably the, the biggest thing. Um, another easy win would just be tabbing through the page with the keyboard. Can you get everywhere? Can you operate everything? Um, but like those two things, if everyone did that, I think they would find a lot of um, issues. And then it builds from there. You know, as you solve the, the easier things, then you can get to more advanced. Does that help? Cool. Yep. So what about Angular 2? Uh, does, does the accessibility story change in Angular 2? Or, um, um, yeah, like, are we still going to need to have ng-aria um, in our Angular 2 apps? And what does that mean for material um, design? Yeah, so ng-aria is only for Angular 1. And as far as I know, it, we won't need something like ng-aria just because accessibility is being considered earlier. Um, and so, like, there are really awesome issues on GitHub right now that you can go and see what people are talking about. Um, but given that Angular 2 uses web components, there is a lot of discussion about extending native elements and um, you know, what, what a component means, how do you create it accessibly. I need to go back and check in with those conversations, just make sure I'm um, up to date. But I've been told that ng-aria won't be needed because accessibility support is being included from the beginning. So what that means for material design, um, well, Angular material for 1.x is it's reaching 1.0, meaning it's re reaching a stable release. And that will continue to support Angular 1. There is a parallel effort happening at Google um, by people on the same team creating uh, an Angular 2 version of material design. And that has been really cool, because some of the stuff that uh, Jeremy Elburn, he's the, the lead developer at Google on Angular Material, he worked through some issues that were pretty core to Angular 2 just by trying to recreate material for Angular 1 in Angular 2. And there's some you know, discussions and pull requests and issues on GitHub and the Angular 2 repository where you can go and see this stuff happen. But I was so happy to see that they were thinking about that ahead of time because it ironed out some, like they had to make changes to Angular 2 itself. And so that was pretty cool. So it's still, were those changes accessibility related or just in general? Uh, I think it was in general. It was mostly like, how do you style these components? And even, um, I mean, accessibility in this project is just kind of like, it's pervasive. It just exists everywhere, like it, which has been really cool to work on. It's not this sidelined topic. Um, but most of the changes I saw were related to like styling and the shadow DOM and, uh, and they even the changes would trickle back into material for Angular 1 um, in that we would make changes to try and, you know, de-isolate or I guess make things uh, more modular and we could identify issues with the Angular 1 version um, just in how difficult it was to move to Angular 2. Um, so the accessibility story is kind of like being carried through everywhere. Um, but the Angular 2 version is definitely still in heavy development. The Angular 1 version is still in, in heavy development. Do you know how in Angular 2 um, the ng-aria functionality is going to be baked in? Because you mentioned, like, for example, the focus problem earlier, right? 
that in yeah. Angular 2, you can set a property instead of using a directive. So uh, I'd be curious to know, or if you're, if you do know, like kind of how that works in Angular 2. Yeah. So what I would, I think I, we need to start looking closer at that. Angular 2 has been going through a lot of changes. Um, I see a lot of discussion, a lot of breaking changes happening in Angular 2. So it'll be time soon to go and look and make sure that the functionality that we're saying you don't need NGRIA for anymore, we need to make sure it's all there, or the important parts are there. Like if there's a disabled property that gets spit out, like I mentioned, it, to actually disable a custom element, we need to use ARIA disabled. What I would really love to see is to do away with this need for a module and just have the ARIA disabled be added by the framework itself. Because that was one of the criticisms of NGRIA was that in order to benefit from it, you have to add the dependency. And a lot of the people who are the worst offenders with accessibility are not going to go add this dependency. They're just like not going to do anything. So as easy as it is to add this module, uh, I don't know. There's some criticisms of that. But I'm hoping um, to see just some of the features that are in NGARIA addressed by the framework itself. So I, I need to go uh, circle back on that. So people who really have a heart for this and they want to go full out, um, I know at NGCom there was a talk about uh, a plugin for Protractor. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? And is there any uh, unit testing to do, or is it strictly end-to-end -end testing? Yes. So part of my work uh, for the Angular team was creating a plugin for Protractor, which is the end-to-end -end testing framework, uh, which was super fun to work on. Um, but the idea with this plugin is that you write end-to-end -end tests, you know, navigating to a view, setting up your you know, scenarios so that you can assert that something is happening. Each one of those tests, if you add this plugin, which when you pull down Protractor now, you get all of the, the code for the plugin, and you just have to turn it on in the config. Um, but the, the idea is that it will run each of your tests that you write against the Chrome Accessibility Developer Tools, which is the same set of audits that are in the browser extension. And then there's another option that you can turn on to use the Tenon API, which is a, I guess, third-party API that you have to have a subscription and an API key, but it has a very robust set of tests. It goes way above and beyond what the Chrome DevTools does. Um, they're both great together, but if you're working on an you know, enterprise app or you have a company that's willing to pay for a subscription, Tenon is fantastic, so I would recommend it. Um, let's see. I feel like I'm, it happened to Dot or uh, Kent earlier, having an idea just like float away. <laughs> yeah, I'm watching it. It's going, oh, my light just went off. There it went. Um, but yeah, to get started, that's a, that's a really great way to just check, you know, what's happening in my app. I actually just gave a talk on that at JSConf, and the video came out yesterday. So um, you can hear me dive into more testing around that. Yeah, let's make sure we get all those uh, links um, of things that you mentioned in the Hangout comments so people can take a look, because, um, yeah, you're sharing some, uh, some gold here. I'll make some notes for myself. So you mentioned kind of talking to other developers at JSConf and some of the other talks that you've given. You know, what, uh, and we mentioned earlier how there is, like, negative ramifications, potentially, if you don't, aren't... Uh, you know, into uh, implementing some of the accessibility. Um, but uh, is there anything that 
you use to kind of encourage people, like kind of get them as like a, not, not only just kind of reluctantly implementing it, but like actually excited about Excel accessibility? Yeah, I've, I've actually met a lot of resistance lately in the Angular community of people who think that accessibility features add extra bytes, or they don't think it's their audience, or they don't think it's important. It's a, I've got a lot of face palms. Whenever I share these, uh, these GitHub issues that come up, I get a lot of face palms from people in the community. They just When you hear the stuff said out loud, it's basically people saying, well, I don't care about that, and I don't care about people who need accessibility. And it's really hard to digest, but people really feel this way. Um, all I can do is be positive and try to encourage them um, because, like, shaming and, you know, chewing people out just it doesn't really work. So I try to inspire and make it more about it being easier if you do it sooner than later. Like, if you wait to add mobile for a later phase, how painful is that going to be? How, how costly is that going to be? Accessibility is the same way. So if you work it in earlier, you get to have more fun with it. You get to say what an accessible, awesome experience is. And you get to make your app work for more people. There's always going to be people who think that doesn't matter. And I may never convince them. They may be the people who need to get sued to actually care. But I can't really control that. <laughs> they just need to break their arm for like three weeks or something, not be able to use the keyboard or, or the mouse or something. Pretty much. Yeah, until it happens to you or your family member. I mean, there's been a lot of companies where you know the CEO's mom will have some, will lose her eyesight, or it'll be something from the top down where something personally happened to the company founders, and then it becomes a company philosophy. Uh, so it it could happen to anybody. I feel like I'm paying it forward by you know if I I have a friend who just got in a cycling accident and is in a wheelchair, um, a friend's partner, and so. Like, that could happen to me. I'm a big cyclist, so it's, it's, it's really hard to hear people be like, ah, I don't care about that. It just hasn't happened to them yet. Yeah, I think especially if you have a consumer-based app, like, it's something that if you kind of approach it from a positive point of view, like, uh, it is something that pe other people, like, who don't have disabilities actually appreciate, I think, that you have that much concern for the people using your apps that you are trying to help them, you know? Yeah, totally. And it's not always going to be perfect. I mean, a lot of the arguments I get are like, well, I'm making a game, and the whole game is inaccessible, so why should I label the UI around the game? Like, they want us to add features to allow them to not make their whole app accessible because part of it is just, like, there's no way that they're going to make the whole game accessible. So I come up against that a lot, and I'm just like, just do it. Like, why should we add the feature to help you disable accessibility warnings for part of your, your UI when you could just easily add an ARIA label. <laughs> the problem would be solved. So I, and I really try to stay unbiased about those kinds of things and really take a close look. Um, but I think it's so easy to add a label to something, but just do it. <laughs> so um, one, one thing that uh, uh, Jeff was talking about that I thought was interesting is, is uh, or just wondering, have you had a, a chance to collaborate with other framework authors or, or library authors to make their stuff more accessible, like like React or Ember? Uh, a little bit. I have been pulled into discussions for Ember, at least one. Um, and I've talked to Ryan Florence quite a bit, who works on React. 
Um, mainly just like if I want to validate that something is a problem, like focus management. When I was doing a talk on that and I wanted to make it sort of uh, framework agnostic to say, hey, in all client rendered applications, this is something you should think about. And so I'll reach out to people who work with it more every day just to say, hey, do you, you know, how do you handle this? Because you're an expert in React or whatever framework you're using. And because it's really hard for me to become that much of an expert in a new framework overnight, I can lean on them to say, you know, yes, I do have to write custom code for focus management um, because that's just a hard problem. And so I, I tend to talk more with people who they, they know more than me about the subject just to validate that what I think is a problem is actually a problem. Um, but part of, part of moving to Adobe in my new role is that I'm super excited to work on other technologies and other frameworks. So we'll see what ends up happening. <laughs> Do you know what those technologies or frameworks are going to be? Are you still going to be doing web and JavaScript, or are you going to do It'll be things? web. Yeah, anything web-based, since that's you know my expertise. Maybe I'll get exposed to iOS or something later. My, my next big conference subject, conference talk subject, is on mobile. So um, I'm sure that'll come up at some point. But I have heard that they use React. I, I know they use Angular. Um, there's probably some Ember applications. I think each team gets to decide what they use. So I'm excited to be exposed to different solutions. Awesome. Um, so um, unless anybody else has other, other, or sorry, does anybody else have any other questions or, or thoughts? Or Marcy, was there anything else that you wanted to, to talk about? I don't think so. This is a, it's really cool to just talk about accessibility with Angular um, because there are a lot of people that care about it. Um, I tend to, my inbox is sometimes filled with people who don't care about it. So <laughs> I'm happy to get to remind myself that this is a thing and it's important um, because we've made an impact and made a difference in the world of the, you know, the world of the applications that we're actually making. So. It's nice to get some encouragement. <laughs> so thanks. Yeah. Well, you're doing a, a great job. I, uh, if anybody is interested in accessibility, I recommend um, that you follow Marcy um, because uh, on Twitter because uh, she tweets accessibility stuff often, um, and Ryan Florence as well. He he's got a, a lot of really good things to say about accessibility. And actually, there's a Slack uh, Slack channel or a Slack room, or I don't even know what you call those things, but there's a Slack <laughs> for. Uh, accessibility, maybe I'll find a, a link to that. Um, and you just hang out in there and, and you're reminded, oh yeah, people do care about accessibility. It's a good thing. Oh, yeah. yeah, actually Ryan Florence and I created a Slack channel for accessibility and I think it has like 200 people in it now, including some amazing accessibility experts. People who write specs, people who build browsers, like you have a direct line of communication um, outside of Twitter to just ask any question you want or to help people answer questions. Um, I think it's web A11Y or web-a11y. I'll pull it up real quick. Yeah, web-a11y.herokuapp.com. By the way, uh, speaking of Ryan, one thing uh, I actually really liked that he did with, at ReactConf was in one of his demos he showed the, um, I forgot the name of the ARIA plugin for React, but he kind of showed it working as he was making changes to uh, his app, and I thought that was pretty cool, and maybe potentially whether you or someone else at a future uh, Angular conference would be cool thing to see the same thing in uh, Angular, maybe in Angular 2. Totally. Yeah, I think that's the Racked 
or React A11Y, they have a, an audit library that they wrote to basically check, hey, you put a click event on something that doesn't have any text in it or doesn't have a role or yep. whatever their audits are. That's something that we want to work into Protractor to add more Angular-specific testing. Whether or not I'll get the uh, bandwidth and time to work on that, we'll, we'll see. But that is on the roadmap. Well, and it's not just you who has to work on that. So anybody watching or listening, if you're interested in this, um, I'm sure they would be happy to have people help with this. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, and Angular is all about the community. So if there are ways that you, you know, expertise that you have to contribute, totally open to it. Great. Well, uh, I think we're kind of winding down. Um, unless anybody else has any other uh, questions or thoughts, um, I'll, I'll just mention to the guests or, or the viewers um, who are watching the Hangout Live, we don't have any questions in the Q&A. And so if you have any questions, it will very likely be answered. Uh, and so uh, if you're watching in Hangouts, then you can uh, open up the Q&A app and ask questions of Marcy or me or anybody. And you can ask us anything like, what's our favorite ice cream? Okay, don't ask us that. But anyway, <laughs> so um, I think we'll we'll just go ahead and, and jump into the picks unless there anybody has anything else that they'd like to say. By the way, my mine is mint chocolate chip. Okay, so <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> so uh, yeah, let's just go ahead and, and jump into the tips and picks. Um, Jeff, why don't we have you go ahead and go first because you kind of spoiled the beans on yours already. Uh, yeah, because I. Poster, yeah. Actually, I'm going to have one more in addition to that, too. So uh, just ESLint, I've been working on that this past week, and uh, just it's awesome. I, I love making custom rules for your code that kind of enforce everything for your team. So uh, definitely check that out if you haven't already. I put a couple links in the notes. Um, also, I, I'd been hyping up at after AngularU the uh, Crockford talk, and uh, what I realized afterwards uh, is that the talk itself is not as uh, good as the Q&A afterwards. And so they just posted a video of the Q&A from Douglas Crockford's uh, talk at AngularU. And uh, definitely watch it. Just uh, it, it is very funny. Um, you have to keep in mind the fact that he's uh, answering these questions right after there was a whole day of talks talking about how great you know, not only Angular 2 is, but TypeScript and all this stuff, and he just proceeds to uh, rip into it. <laughs> so it's uh, it's great. And uh, the last thing, we mentioned um, isomorphic JavaScript earlier, just uh, one thing that uh, I don't think I had put in a pick before, but uh, the new term that's kind of getting popularized and we're adopting for Angular 2 is universal JavaScript. So the, the effort that um, Patrick and I are working on is actually going to be Angular Universal. And, uh, you know, we're with... Um, uh, Ryan and a lot of other uh, developers that are starting to use that more more so than kind of isomorphic. So uh, I'll, I'll post a link for that as well in the show notes. Awesome. Captain Universe with JavaScript that runs both on backend and frontend. Cool. Um, Amy, do you have any picks for us? Uh, yes, I do. Um, I was trying to decide. I have a couple, but I'll try to pick just one. Um, I guess the one I was going to pick, so I had like an accessibility one, I don't know, whatever, I'll pick two. Um, the first one, my husband and I uh, seem to like always have these disagreements about what color things are, so one of us has issues, <laughs> and I'm going to say it's him since he's a guy and it's usually uh, males that have it. <laughs> Anyways, so as far as, since, hey. we're on the <laughs> since we're on the accessibility front, um, 
it's just like a really simple little app that I saw tweeted somewhere that you can uh, plug in your URL and you can uh, choose like which visual impairment and it'll show you uh, what the website looks like with that visual impairment. So that's the accessibility one. Um, the other one I was going to pick, I saw a long time ago because I was talking about last week uh, for Nomad.js that the first one that I watched was with Jafar Hussein. Um, I think it was called like the end of the loop, which same thing. There's a uh, egghead uh, series on it, but he also in his talk, and then I saw it tweeted out a bunch this week, has a course on functional programming. Um, I think it's like as a prep to uh, start looking at observables and generators and all of that. So um, that's something I started playing around with this weekend. So those are my picks, and I will put links to both of those uh, up on Google Plus. Great, thanks. Um, I'll go ahead and then we'll save the best for last uh, for you, Marcy. So um, I have two picks. Uh, first is I just released um, a, a new node module called Clock, but it's actually um, just a wrapper around something that somebody else wrote, um, Al Daniel, um, and it's spelled C-L-O-C, and uh, it stands for uh, Count Lines of Code or something like, or something like that. But uh, anyway, you can go install it, and um, it's just a command line tool that um, you can point it to a directory, and it'll count the lines of code, uh, the different files that you have in there. So, like, uh, yeah, it's a it's a fantastic tool. Got tons and tons of uh, configuration options, um, and so yeah, npm install clock without a k. Uh, and then uh, my next pick is to live a balanced life. So um, I. Any time that I come up with or try to come up with these picks or tips, the, like all I find that I am interested in is programming-related stuff. Like that, that's all I really care about. Uh, is like aside from from my wife and kids, is like programming things. And so I, I feel like I'm such a one-dimensional person um, because of that. And so I'm going to strive to live a more ba balanced life. And so that's just like general pick. Find something that you may or may not be interested in. Um, that like is a good productive thing to do, and uh, go do it and become interested in it. Like if you're married, find out what your spouse is interested in and, and become interested in that too. Um, but yeah, live a balanced life. That's a tip. So, um, Marcy, what do you have for us? That was a great tip. That's like my life goal: uh, work-life balance. Uh, so I have a couple. Um, one, I, I had a hard time deciding whether they were picks or tips. <laughs> But um, I was just at the GoTo conference in Amsterdam this past week. Uh, went for an extended vacation, but I went and spoke at GoToCon Amsterdam. And one of the coolest things that I saw there uh, was a talk by Mary Shaw. Mary Shaw was awarded a medal by President Obama last year for being, you know, a software development pioneer. She's been at Carnegie Mellon since the 60s or 70s. Amazing woman. She's done really, really cool work um, and research on software engineering. Um, she also happened to be a cyclist, which I thought was really cool. Her and her partner um, actually brought a tandem bicycle to Europe in two suitcases. I just thought that was a cool thing. Um, but her talk was on what is engineering? Like, we call ourselves engineers. Are we engineers? What, how does that compare to, say, structural engineering? And so her talk was all about basically this kind of uh, you know, we're searching for our own identity as software developers, and can we consider what we do engineering? And so I found um, a, a keynote that she's given at another conference with that same talk. So I'm going to post that. 
Um, and my other pick um, is kind of a shameless plug, but I think it's because it's actually useful. But I made a Tumblr called Accessibility Wins. And on it, I highlight interfaces or tools that are either you know, newsworthy or like things that you should know if you're interested in accessibility. And so the Accessibility Wins Tumblr, I think it's pretty useful. Um, and then, yeah, the other links I had were all things that we mentioned in the podcast. So I'll just post those on the Google Hangout. Great, thank you. Uh, so we did get one uh, question on the Q&A, so I'll go ahead and ask that now. Uh, this is from Malik Shah, I think is how you say the name. But uh, uh, they say, thanks all for having a great conversation, and especially to Marcy for giving valuable expert voice on this topic. Thanks, Marcy. Uh, what is your suggestion if we need to launch an, uh, an application sometime in 2016 in production? With keeping accessibility in mind, should we keep developing uh, with Angular 2? Or, um, well, yeah, the question got cut off. But uh, I think we're asking about uh, telling the future a little bit. Uh, which is always easy, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I think it, it's the, the question about should you be building with Angular 2 yet? I'm not sure, because I'm not really working on that full time. Um, I think it's the same answer whether or not you're doing it for accessibility or for just in general. So uh, I don't know. <laughs> I think that uh, there are some improvements to ng-aria that I'm working on right now to make it better for Angular 1. And that will continue to be supported and be around. So that's sort of a, yeah, I think they're going to have to answer that question themselves. Yeah, I, I would say best migration path to Angular 2, uh, if you're going to start a brand new app and you want to use Angular 2, is to start with Angular 1. Uh, and uh, there will be a migration path. People keep freaking out that there's not going to be, but there will. Uh, so yeah, good, uh, good stuff. Let's uh, be careful trying to tell the future, because we're probably going to be wrong. <laughs> yep. So, but accessibility wins. Yay. Uh, so. Okay, uh, that's that's it. I think that's our show. Does anybody have any last things that they want to talk about uh, before we wrap up? Peanut butter chocolate is mine. All right. Yeah. No ice cream on the paleo diet. <laughs> <laughs> that's. I'm sorry. Is there no like substitute or anything? Uh, well, you can't do dairy or processed yeah. food. So, fruits and vegetables. <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> Fruit and vegetable flavored ice cream. I guess you could have like frozen ice and put it in a blender, kind of like ice cream. Oh, you can freeze. Actually, you can freeze bananas. Yeah, or like grapes or something. Yeah, no, just bananas, and you can put those in a food processor, add cocoa. This is like the the single or two or three ingredient ice cream you can make. Out of this cocoa. is awesome, awesome stuff. Yeah, Mark, okay. Marcy, I was about to say that's that's exactly what we do. Is is the bananas with like uh, some Nutella? It's it's really good. Ah, uh, yeah, highly recommended. Good stuff. Uh, that's a group pick right there. <laughs> cool. <laughs> well, Marcy, thank you so much for being on the show. We really appreciate your expertise and, and uh, knowledge on the accessibility world, and I think people will benefit from, uh, from what we've talked about today. So thank you for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great chatting with you all. Oh, awesome. Thanks, Marcy. Bye. So let's... Um, uh, I'll just wrap up with a couple last uh, announcements. Again, uh, next week's show is uh, July 7th, uh, same time, same place, whatever your time zone is, um, with uh, Jeff Cross and Alex Rickenbaugh on um, Angular Data. Um, they came from the future back to the past to tell us about 
uh, data with Angular at NG Vegas, and they're going to talk with us about that a little bit more in our uh, next week's show. And then a uh, reminder that if you want some swag for uh, um, Angular Air, you can get some stickers on Sticker Mule, um, and I will put a link in the comments for that. Um, and um, keep your eye out or your eyes peeled because I'm going to have another um, uh, Teespring campaign for an Angular Air t-shirt. So, yeah, it's fun. And then, um, as always, follow us on Twitter and Google Plus to stay up with the latest and greatest. And um, with, with that, I think we can say goodbye. So thanks, everybody. See you later. Thanks. See ya. See ya.